people come for general physics, some people come because they know someone has a committee and they feel a responsibility, and some people, I guess, even come for the food. Uh, studies have shown that 0% of attendees come to hear the moderator talk. I'm going to stay at it as much as possible. I'll just try and set up the questions. And um, the way that, that we'd like to begin is just I'll, I'll give a short introduction of, of our three um, panelists, and then we're going to ask each one of them to. Um, to give a short introduction to the topic the way that they, that they see the topic made an important point that, that they would like to stress and then we'll move directly to the questions. If you have a question during the, uh, during the program, we ask you please to utilize the sheets that are on your chairs. Just write it down, pass it up. Um, you can try and send an email or a text, but it, it may not go through depending on the uh, cell reception. Um, our panelists this evening are Reverend Warren, like I mentioned, who's a chief of the sales short um, in the five towns. Rabbi Joseph Weiner, who's the Mordas, with Yehoshua Shemayim, and Dr. Ben-Sim Zerosky, who's a clinical psychologist and working with, with children, families, and individuals for many years. Um, I guess I'll ask Trevor Kamenetsky to begin. Thank you. Thank
And I'm thinking to myself, some sort of synthesis that I'll probably might give it up. And Martha. You know, Paraduma, we talk about the reason for Paraduma we don't know. But God, she says, the mother should come and clean up the mess that a little angel made. Keep it up, aim. Is the other way around. And there's a certain synthesis of parent, child, and child, and parent that could be fine so before they got to there, had to learn. My father says, many ships have crossed the ocean. But no one has made a path. I hate to disappoint you, but tonight I don't believe anybody is going to walk away and say, Aha! I got it. Now my mind is up. I said, Up to they, they told me the secret. There really is no secret. But the downside is cool. There has to be a certain, a certain sense of sale. And this relationship, period, Emo, Paolo, Paolo, Hain, give it out, the child respect the parents, and a parent's responsibility for a child is something that has to be manifested in the home. A certain sense of where a parent realizes that they have a sense of responsibility to their children, and children in turn have that sense of tremendous accords, I tell you, and a sense of responsibility to the parents as well. Why? Because they're all part of the spectrum. You know, there are some things that are, are difficult in life. We all go through crises. Nothing is hunky-dory. There are difficult times. And I think it's those times that that relationship of keeping up aim and and human hiring or the care of parents to children take take over. And it's so interesting that the moral, the place where the, the water was bitter, and I heard a powerful told my just throwing something to fix it. That's the place where we got shadows, where we get in a week of difficulty, something comes sweet and throw it in and, and fixes it. And being Big Mahoyas fight, and he goes to bed and they settle it up, and he trailer, and then he walks away happy. And then keep it up in, because they're all helpless. But that certain sense of respect that a parent has for a child, and a child has for a parent, and it really is, makes the mind more And that's the liberty, the state of hiding, and the state of purity. Okay? There has to be a sense of harmony, equilibrium, and balance in our home. And really, it's a give and take. Uh, sometimes you're going to lose a battle, and sometimes your kids are going to lose a battle. You know, most of the time, the kids lose a battle. But the bottom line is that there are times that you're going to have to give in. And, uh, and if you don't, and if you don't, then there's some sort of tension. And if people put their foot down on the, on, on the most firm, or sort of silly side, just sometimes you know what saying, no, it, it, it sometimes will create a discord that will affect the future. I thought I'd only that in six, six, seven minutes. I'll just end with one, one fascinating thought that I heard from uh, Pedro Dominic Foreman. He spoke about the um, Saras and Ibers, and um, you know the first five on one side, and the other five on the other side, and each one, four down the forum, is connected 
He was set on the other side. And he has a very interesting question. Kabeah is an infant on the side of the other Lamakal. And he explained that there was a parallel to the, it's a giver, a creator, and one form, whether it's a bottom or a parent. But if you look up close, there's the available sacrifice of jealousy. What's the connection of each one of the dibbles on the right corresponds to the dibbles left? What's the connection of what is classified in this? And he said something so fascinating, and he's gone. Why is it jealousy? Why did the child say, he has it and therefore I need it? Why if I like that toy and I'm obsessed with that toy, I have to have the toy. Not only I have to have the toy go to Macy's and buy it, I have to have your toy. I have to be you. Because I can't be myself. Why? Because I have no self-worth, I have no self-value. And if you have no self-value, what's the slave of that? Then you don't have the recognition of the people who brought you into this world. You're not matching yourself. How can you be matching? How could you give credence and recognition to those who brought you into the world? So one of the most important things that parents have to do, and all the questions that I'm told them to do, is give a sense of self. And self doesn't only mean the child self, but I mean the family unit. I'll just add one thing, one little mindset. Because I used to live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My Chalutza was about Shuba. And he wrote the official history of Pittsburgh Steelers. So, and we had learned with him to set this market, and I would write him to the PhD in literature, correct myself, and we helped my father also later down the line. But then I started to look at the markets. I said, I'm going to teach you the criteria, or I'm going to let these set the criteria of the uh, major league stadium. But he, he, he covered the Steelers. For many years. And he told me of a nice way that some of the guys were fooling around in the bar or whatever it was. And one of the guys who came to me, Joe Reed, came over and said, Hey, yeah, you're a steel. What do you mind like that? Yes, sir. I think in every family unit, there's a family, the coat of arms, the love. You give that pride. This is how we do it. But if the child should love what they do, who they are, where they come from, their lineage, their heritage, their ideas, their customs, you really don't want to be somebody else. If the parents always aren't want to want to be somebody else, I think the children will have their own self-esteem and they will have a recognition for those who make them what they are. That's right, Ivana. We didn't speak before, but uh, I continue the theme, if I may. Uh, there's a very, very fascinating. <laughs> it's a very fascinating thing about religion. We all know that the Gemara and the Reish Lokish was about Shuba, much like the Shem actually was thrown there were yet a few rough years where he was a uh, gangster. Some are trying to say he's a gladiator, but uh, the standard way he pulled over his shoes is he's a gangster. And uh, we know from the Gemara that his path to Shuba involved a Yechon and became his brother-in-law, a Yechon, so 
They all have the same opportunity. Why did they flourish the covenant on earth and the other two remain cases? The answer is that Reish uh, Lakish one night thought about what was going on and decided to stop fooling himself to realize, you know what, I have the same talents that they have when I'm doing it for good. And I think that if I push in a different direction, I can make something of myself, even though on paper it doesn't make sense because they're not going to succeed because then I wasn't anywhere much of mine. It all depends on the encouragement of the parents and the rabbinim, and to show them that there's really nothing they can't attain if you just think out of the box and wave the bar. Chazlish was once uh, giving a shoes to some Hakan, which is the only 50s. And he said that even though he would serve, he don't want to be a, come up all day, but he said he thinks children of our generation, need a, a tablespoon every morning of encouragement and compliments. And he saw one of the Hakan was uh, smiling. Like, what kind of novel concept is that? This is not the old Gemara. We don't, the Gemara is not really into like building people up. It's like, I think it's knowing your place, but you haven't accomplished the Chazmi said this kid is she thinks our generation now needs a table food every morning of encouragement and compliments. And this Mahana smiled, the Chazmi saw it and he said, You're smiling. I will tell you that another two, three generations are going to have to give it in a large bowl. And I have noticed that today we have to give it by the seedwood. So perhaps that's a change. Perhaps it was always like that. It wasn't pushed. It wasn't necessary. Today it's necessary. And without uh, taking away um, the good doctors, um, talk something about technology, but uh, let me quote to you. This is actually sent to me by Tanidos, as we both know, many years ago. Now, you did in the Shabbat I thought it was a phenomenal quote. Maybe you could tell me who said it. But it's phenomenal. You're going you're gonna to remember this one. It's two lines. But it's a mahalach in life. It's a mahalach for yourself. And if you're convinced that it's parents, we're convinced our children as well. And before I read it, I am, I'm not that old. I'm old enough to now look back 25, 30 years at my Chaburim Yeshiva. Let's say I call them 10 buffering, 20 buffering, 30 buffering. I can indeed say, I thought it was a, an old cliche. The race does not go to the swiftest. That's clear. Uh, you can have, uh, you can have an to succeed, but many of them uh, don't. You can have money, money can buy a lot of things. And it doesn't necessarily buy a clock. Now, some have a clock that we want. And Taylor is still on the other. It doesn't really buy a lot of an interesting thing, which is going to be misquoted. But when guys start going out and want to learn for a few years, is the old debate. Should you marry money or not? So I would say this is not a push, not to or yes. You can point out that afterwards. So you're told you have a few years, but you don't. Uh, I'd also like to mention it's not always up to you. But <laughs> even if it were up to us. But you would think with an asset like that, and they can learn for 30 years at least, is that kind of money? I remember I once had it. I, I, I got to say, I wasn't, I wasn't jealous, but I just wanted to go, oh boy, that is a, a, a mock mission. Come on, he said, he's got it, he can sit for 40 years, maybe for two and a half. And then went to the family business. So it's not necessarily a tragedy, depending on who. But it's fascinating here, we're talking about all the payments you possibly want. It doesn't have to spell success, it depends on what you're making of it. Now for the quotes. Pessimists usually claim that they're only being realists. 
Nobody has ever seen somebody who admits that that's not a pessimist. I'm just, I'm just old. I just see things I'm honest. I'm just being a realist. I'm not a, a pessimist. And the facts usually are on their side. Which means that if you ever try to start a business to do anything in life, most things fail. That's why you have to start business before you succeed. And when you learn your first block of art and you try to say your first business, you know that my brother Barrett did his first year position, his Sarvan laughed at him, and he went to a science, and only later got time to say, you can now start ignoring this. He said that at the beginning. <coughs> he said, keep working, keep working, but it's, it's not easy. So the fact that we on this side, the optimists, how do they succeed? They gloss over obstacles that are truly there, but not imagining things, they're really there. But once they're on a given path, they usually persevere, or the pessimists usually live out their self-fulfilling prophecies. And that is all of life in two senses. It has nothing to do with what you're given, it has to do with your attitude. And if you just ignore all the pitfalls and you convince yourself you can do it, and you convince your children they can do it, it doesn't make a difference what the ethos is and what the money is and what the IQ is and even what the ability to sit for a long period of time. I'll close with one quick mindset and I'll give it over to the doctor. Uh, I was in Buffalo County, it goes back about um, at least 18, 19 years ago. I never liked it yesterday. Came out Sunday morning chakras, the old day in Buffalo County. Sunday morning chakras, I caught the early evening at 8 a.m. The very, uh, for the insomniacs. And I finished reading at about 8.45, 9 o'clock. I was walking out of the stroll with my toes uh, echo, and it's now 10 to 9 in the morning. And I see two guys sitting at, you know, in one time they have these chess tables where they have like two benches and they have They're sitting there, I kid you not, I had to go over and make sure they were alive. They were both sitting here like this, like statues. Kiru, they had caught some six o'clock menu and they looked like they were very deep into this game. I don't know too much about chess, but it looked interesting, so I walked by and I looked at the board and I uh, made a mental note that uh, this game is going to be over probably about a half hour, 45 minutes, and I'm curious who's going to win. I had a collision with somebody, went back to that bench. I came out two hours later, the same two statues are sitting here like this. And I think one piece had moved. So I went over to one of the players, a young fellow, I'd say about 30, 32 years old. And I said, you know, I'm very impressed with your ability to focus. Sitting there, focusing for hours. I can't know how long you play before I can you. You've been sitting here from what I've seen already two and a half hours. I said, you must be an amazing learner. You can take a pot of Sophia, really uh, look into it. You keep eight hours. It must be incredible. So he told me, he says, I'll tell you something interesting. I actually can, and I do. He says, I learned quite a few hours today. And I will tell you that I was the biggest disaster you can ever imagine in Yeshiva. I had gone through 14 years of Yeshiva, convincing myself that I couldn't sit still for three minutes, and I couldn't. I was thrown out of every class, and every ready just threw up his hand. A disaster! Can you imagine living this? For 14, 15 years, I went through the whole system. And I was convinced that I'd left Yeshiva after the first time I gave it to and that was it, straight out to work. And I was convinced that maybe I'll give the George 15 minutes in the morning and maybe a little bit of Himmel Hamar, maybe I'll be able to sit. I said, what changed? I think it's something drastic to change. I'll tell you what changed. I became a day trader. And if you blink for six, over six hours, if you blink once, you can lose a million dollars. And I blinked more than once because I couldn't sit still. In the first few weeks, I lost a lot of money and I wasn't mine. 
And I learned very quickly that I must force myself to concentrate and try to feed my family. And I did this for a couple of years. I became quite successful. I know I'm quite a wealthy young man. And then I realized, you know what? I've been lying to myself for 15 years. But I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Because you know what the answer was? I couldn't do it. But it wasn't important enough. And when it became important, all of a sudden I could do it. You got you to meet this guy. I wouldn't recognize it. He said, there, there's the answer. He said, nothing is impossible. You just have to want it enough. He said, because he has you do I can concentrate the chess game clear out of the shot. I can do it learning also. And I'll go last time you see when you never dream to do something like this. That's what we have to give over to our kids to believe that whatever they want to do, they can do. They just have to put their heads to it. Okay, I went over time. I apologize. <laughs> oh, I don't remember. I don't I'm older than you. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. I heard somebody asking the question, why is it, after all these years, probably a few decades already, that there's been a tremendous upsurge in interest in parenting? There's many, many books and articles written by Kostra Albanian and Khanakim and mental health professionals. Almost every magazine and newspaper in our community has a column about parenting. How come we don't see the payers of our efforts? I don't think anybody would claim that the incidences of difficulties with our youth and our community has decreased since this increased interest in parenting. I want to give a suggestion why that might be. I think the reason might be is because we don't connect the dots. The double messages. The same person who gets up and speaks so eloquently about how, why it's so important to do parenting right and how to do it right with tremendous cases and insights. But when something goes wrong, the first thing they'll say is that it has nothing to do with parenting. You can be sure of that. We don't know why, but one thing we know for sure it wasn't anything to do with parenting. Recently, a very Khashoggi Muhammad, very well respected, gave a parenting speech. And he starts off with his signature statement, there's no rhyme or reason why kids go off to death. Then he spent an hour giving 25 uh, examples of mistakes that parents make, mostly having to do with a parent putting their own ego needs in front of before the child's emotional needs. And when she said these mistakes make it much more likely that a child will abandon her Judaism. And then he ended off again with there's no rhyme or reason why kids go off to death. He also wrote an article starting off with the same signature line, then the same quoting of Arnold Steinman that when it comes to Kinnah, there's no Messiah, which he explained to me that since every generation is different and the challenges of each generation is different, therefore the value of each generation has to establish what is the proper Mahalat that's appropriate for that generation. And he gave him this, Mahana gave an example of using corporal punishment, hitting children, which allegedly worked in the past, and kind of dubious, but that's what they say. And, but clearly, the Sukhanath was saying, so that was my line, that is. Uh, the Sukhanath said that if somebody tried to use it today, it would clearly lead to a disaster. But there's no rhyme or reason why kids go off in there. I don't know why that might not have been the disaster that happened, but for some reason we know that wasn't it. This isn't only by McConaughey, this is true of mental health professionals also. They can give the most eloquent speeches, everything that really eloquent, and bring out the importance of doing parenting right, 
But then if something goes wrong, they say it's probably a chemical imbalance or some biological issue and has nothing to, for sure has nothing to do with anything your parents did. It simply defies logic. I don't know how you can argue both sides of the argument. There was somebody who wrote a book a few years ago. I'm not sure what profession she was, but she wrote a book that whatever you do for your kids has zero impact. Okay? She's like, yeah, I think it's the research shows it's wrong, but at least it's logical. Doesn't matter what you do, because whatever you do, the kids will be the way they are and have zero impact. But to give a whole drug to how important it is to do to do parenting right, and then if something goes wrong that has nothing to do with anything you did, defies logic. Now the reason why, obviously the reason why people say these things, or one of the reasons, is quite commendable, because people don't want to hurt parents more than they're already hurt. Any, anybody who, any parent who's struggling with a child with emotional issues or behavioral issues is certainly in tremendous pain, and we hesitate to create, cause more pain by implying that maybe they have, might have some shyness to us, to the problem. The only problem is that when we do that, I think it's short-sighted sympathy or empathy. Because then we deprive the parent of the most potent tool the parent has in both preventing these issues and dealing with helping the child with the issues if he already has them. And that's their relationship with the child. But why should a parent explore the relationship and, make, and perhaps find what maybe didn't go right or maybe they mishandled if, if, if there's no connection? I was thinking to myself, imagine if the very successful campaigns that we've had in the last two decades in America of anti-smoking and anti-drunk driving, if they would use the method we use for parenting. I can just see a guy getting up there and saying, Rabbi Sai, it's terrible to smoke. It's very important not to smoke. If somebody does smoke and gets some cancer, it has nothing to do with the smoking, but Rabbi Sai, it's important not to smoke. The same thing with drunk driving. Drunk driving is terrible. It's terrible if you drink and drive. If, you, if somebody does drink and drive, you kill somebody, you should know for sure we don't know exactly why it happened, but for sure it wasn't the drinking. Now, because we don't connect the dots, so what happens when a child has a problem? So we have to figure out what the, where the problem came from. So since it obviously didn't come from anything that he actually experienced, it must be something wrong with his brain. It's a brain disorder. Right? So for instance, if a child is angry and acting out his anger, you have to know what he's suffering from. He's suffering from oppositional defining disorder, ODD. It's one of those amazing diagnoses. And actually, you could now, since, since again, the progress we're making is in the technical part of it. We have to, we can really decide a way and figure out how to diagnose it properly, and we can teach parents and teachers how to recognize the symptoms of the strange disorder. But the main thing we have to do is not understand where it came from. We just have to know how to diagnose it, and perhaps get medications and other treatments for it. I think our old Rabbi Kamenetsky here in your last uh, column in, in Omni magazine, there's a delightful column every, every week, because I can read, but this last one that was just Parshish Mishalov, just to show you that I read it, he says that gives a beautiful illustration of, of this two different ways of looking at these problems. He said, a, a story about Rabbi Levine, the Tzadik of Yerushalayim, together with his son Rokhaim, who was the Rebbe in the Cheder there, and they're sitting in the yard watching the kids play, and Rabbi Levine asked his son, what do you see here with the kids? And, and among other things, Rokhaim answered, Dove is standing near the door of the school with his hands in his pockets. He's obviously not much of an athlete. Moishi is playing wildly, he's probably undisciplined. But before they discovered OBD, it was called undisciplined. So Revarian answers, No, my son, you don't know how to watch the children. Doug is near the door with his hand in his pocket because he has no sweater because his parents can't afford winter clothes. And Mikey is wild because the driven yelled at him and he's frustrated. 
Okay, now, maybe some of the children we're looking at are not just a one-time event that, you know, they're angry that day because they were yelled at. Perhaps the parents yell at each other all day. And maybe the Rebbe knows nothing about it. It's amazing. I've had parents uh, acknowledge to me that they have terrible self-life issues. But they never dreamt that maybe that has to happen. That might be the reason why the child is acting out. It's a big finish to that. And, and very often, of course, they're not going to tell the Rebbe about it. Very often, the Rebbe also doesn't know why he's acting that way. So it must be OTD. You know, there's, like, there's an amazing Meister's of Shah that they once caught a, a butler being called Shabbos in the dormitory a few times. And they decided they have to throw him out. So they came to ask for shus, because you know, it's because of the you have to get a shus or such things. They came to a shop, the Manao and the Rebbe and the Rosh Hashiva, and told them that we caught this boy being called Shabbos in the, in the dormitory a few times. So the Rosh Hashiva was in the elder of the years, and he asked them, tell me, uh, what's the Pinosis situation in the house? I know they didn't bring the manager of these, you know, how do they know? The tuition committee. Okay, what, what, what's the, what's the, Michelle Weissmann in the house? Nobody has a clue? Says so Rashad pushed himself up and the tears streaming down his eyes. He says, Right in my right to my stool. Right to him. Yes, out of my house. Murderers, get out of my house. You threw, literally threw him out of the house. You're, you're, you're sending a kid away from your sheep. You have, you have no idea what's going on in, in his life. And of course, they looked into it and discovered there was no Parnassus, there was no Shalom Bayes. The parents got divorced shortly after this incident. And, and I told the story over to Mahana, and he said, You will see the Rashad and Rosh Hashanah. Now, of course, this, this is not a moral judgment, it's not a moral condemnation of anything. I know I'm going to be, somebody's going to say that I'm blaming parents. I'm not blaming anybody. My father used to say that the relation doesn't need a secretary. Who to blame? He can handle that all by himself, he doesn't need our help. I'm just con- connecting cause and effect. There's studies that show, there's a recent study from the National Institute of Health that is, is all the major problems we have in, in society, crime and addiction and mental health problems, all come from the same source, inadequate nurturing. And unfortunately, study as if there's three different things that don't access to each other. Now, needless to say, it needs to be said, actually, that there's some children born with more challenging uh, temperaments, which makes it more difficult to nurture them properly. There's sometimes things going on in the house that, you know, a sick child or other things that make it very difficult with lack of prognosis. Again, it's not a condemning anybody, but the bottom line is, you know, during the war, there were kids who, who, who weren't fed properly, because it was during the war, and they suffered medical problems their whole life. That was the cause. It was only fault. The parents couldn't feed them, but, you know, we got to call a spade a spade. For advice, if you're dealing with a mighty who's angry and causing trouble, you should emulate a Bayer Levine's approach and try to figure out and understand what's going on in his life and not assume it's within his head. Thank you. Thank you. As we move on to the question and answer portion of the evening, obviously these issues are too all-encompassing and, and broad to try and answer here tonight. Um, so I guess with regards to the answer portion, the questions are, are relatively short and uh, perhaps we'll, we'll focus on PIP. Uh, with regards to the answers, we'd like to get as much po- as possible. Um, we got a number of, of questions that were sent in before this evening and, and we started to, to get some now, so we'll try and cover as much as we can. Uh, to start, I think um, one, one of the questions that is, that is uh, very common in this age um, that that all parents asked about in the video and that's the started to discuss it. Um, 
in, in his introduction, is the question of everyone else has it. Um, how, how do we deal with, with that question of um, everybody else in my class has X or everybody else in, in my bunker camp is doing this? How do we how do we explain to our children and and how what's the proper way to address that particular issue of Oscar binary research again? Uh, child is uh, yet young, but they figured out the Gemara's uh, rule of uh, Ruba Kakulo. First of all, everybody is often not even 51%. Uh, you have to know that. Obviously, they're friends and they feel the pressure. Um, I have yet to understand. This is the way it's going, the way it has gone. I've yet to understand why a five-year-old needs a cell phone. It's, it's just unbelievable. Uh, and it started with everybody in first year of adventures had it, everybody in 12th grade had it, everybody in 11th grade had it. And um, cell phones today, especially the cell phones being purchased often are smartphones. They all come with internet, uh, which I'm sure you've heard many schmoozing and many speeches about highly toxic and dangerous. It is uh, trackable, and there are things coming out that can help you, but the question is, do you want your 10-year-old to have it? And parents would come to me, and they say, yes, uh, they're claiming everything in class has it, they're the odd person out. And the more parents give into that, then Taka becomes a roiv, and then a ruba de ruba, and then uh, you can't fight it anymore. So, um, not only because uh, my children happen to have a father as a rogue, but um, none of my children got a phone until they were uh, 17 or 18. Um, that sounds like really like from the prehistoric times. I realize that. Um, I'm mentioning that that you could just even mention that you know somebody who met somebody who actually had children like that. It's totally, totally out of control, and it comes from the syndrome that the parents are taking the work for it. Everybody has it. It didn't start off like that, and the grade keeps going lower, 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 lower. I once saw a five-year-old kid walk by, and the guy standing next to me said, "Don't worry, he's on the phone with his broker," <laughs> <laughs> which I wouldn't be surprised anymore. So the parents are at fault, not the children uh, over here. They just uh, they figured they tried the line. Everybody has it. They go down with everybody. The first thing is you don't have to believe it. After that happens. Then you have to examine whether your child is in the right uh, and in the right place. Uh, that doesn't sound uh, very uh, easy to do, but that needs a reality check once in a while. Uh, the better the atmosphere, the less people will actually have it. And uh, you mentioned the introduction. You mentioned I'm going to the, uh, the, video. the video. Okay, they're going to Israel. He's going here, and they're going a midwinter vacation. So if if it's really a rise and they're really telling the truth, you might have to step back and say, Am I am I in the right place, in the right school, in the right community? I, I wish I could say that in a nicer way, uh, but uh, we're not here to sweet talk. We're here to get the facts. Uh, so uh, those are the two things you just check out. This is a short soundbite. Just check out what the numbers really are. Often they're inflated. And then check out if they're really what they are or worse. I think you, instead of fighting City Hall, you might have to drop back and find a better camp environment, a better school environment, or a better community. Um, Queens is, uh, is up there with the best year of Andy Israel, but, but um, it can happen anywhere. You just have to really make sure you're in the right place. And there's, uh, there's, no, there's no great way to start examining that as a heart-wrenching decision, but it has to be looked at. I think that the question wasn't like everybody has a gun. 
The question I think is also everybody's waiting to back. And see, have been, like they showed the real study. And um, so to that I remind them, you know, I, I, I also like, you know, to, to address, because it's always that it's inherently destructive. So let's say it's not destructive, but you don't need everything. I guess that's, and that really is also a question. It's kind of kind of, you know, obviously, you know, I just want to know. But, 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 you know, but something that's but not unnecessary. You know, we're also staff. I mean, it's not anybody can spend X, Y, or my phone, you know, or the exception. I'm going to tell you myself. I have a 20 year The Rubens Cube. You're dating yourself. So, you know, I think there's a, I'm not a psychologist, but what could it be, really? You know, it really doesn't begin today, it really begins with you know, setting boundaries. And has to make sense, has to make sense, but you're setting boundaries. And then, wow, person of work and earn the the fancy uh, headband. Wow, you could break school and then there's really nothing inherently wrong with it. But not everything has to be yes, just because they yes, that's that's it. I will tell you that was, let's say it's everybody's wearing headbands, and tap all in. And uh, this one wanted a red one. So I heard from a couple of times where not really dang but she said that her father the whole time asked are uh, the girls wearing this thing. And then maybe it was a serious but she said everybody asked, that's what I want to say. So okay, it wasn't hell. So there's two things, there's something that's inherently wrong. Never wrong. You have to explain this is the reason why. It's not so easy. But you gotta talk to your kids and tell them. This is why, because it's really bad stuff, depending how old they are, you can tell them how bad it is, and why you're, you're scared. And you have to be just very, very honest. And I'm just looking at that, you know, so you know, it's interesting. say not everything that we want, that I want, um, I, I, I get, that we do want, that's all right, it's a training exercise. But we can work toward those things and treat yourself and deserve it. Whether it's going out to eat or going to uh, okay, uh, toy, okay, and it becomes something that goes to strive for, that's the that's wise thing. It's interesting, Ravatis Kilsalman in, uh, in his book and in his tapes, he talks about, uh, very, about elaborate toys, which he said isn't a good idea for kids to have. More, more for, because so they, they can develop their imagination. In these days, you would sit on a, a tree trunk, and one day it's a tank, the next day it's an airplane, the next day it's a horse. Today it has to actually be a truck and a horse, you know. But it's interesting, at the end of his drush, he went on for 45 minutes about this, and then he said, if everybody in the class has one, you got to get one for him too. But of course, you have to check if everybody in the class has one. Um, okay. The, um, one of the more questions that was sent in uh, is with regard to much younger children. We're, we're, we've been talking now um, about school-age children, but when the children are very young at home, two, one, two, three years old, what can we do for their children at this age to start this home, um, to, set, to set this home in, in our home? 
possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> you start off with the... Let me have this kid's here. What the hell is grandchildren? I just want uh, just one point about that, that he, as we know the best way of the best uh, most effective means of chinuch is setting an example but I think we forget to add and I got to saw this in the paper recently from one of our involved tell me them you have to remember you have to develop that type of relationship with your child that they want to follow your example because that's a, a famous everybody knows this thing you know the chinuch set an example a dogma it's all very good but we know people who lived with amazing examples but didn't do much for them that's because they didn't really have any motivation to follow their example so I guess that's probably you can start at a very young age at birth before birth there's a puzzle I remember this from an old Yerushalmi Rebbe that just stuck with me today Rebbe Amela he brought that yard from the Christian to him he was dancing like mommy loving it and then Michal Masha looked at him and he said oh what a great day it is There's a medrash that says, as being the nicer, that somebody left over the uh, tzava, that his son should get the Yerusha if he's a shaita. And, and so he went to his rebbe. He didn't know what he went to his. He went to his rebbe, and, and when he came to the door, he saw the rebbe was climbing on the. It was on all fours. His son is on his back, holding a gummy in his mouth, like he's a horse. But he didn't want to go in to bother him, so he waited till he didn't want to embarrass him. So he came in later, and he and he said, "What's the being a shaita? What is the shatan that tells us if you would have come here a little earlier, you would have seen what it, what, it, what it meant." Yeah. <coughs> I think we'll, we'll ask our environment on, on this next question. Um, I work on myself to become better about my learning dominant. My kids see that I'm less imperfect. And I guess the question then is twofold. Am I still have to push my son to be better, or is, or is that hypocritical? I think based on what we were just talking about, um, it's not a question of hypocritical, it's not going to work. <laughs> so, uh, we don't have to go into philosophy if, if you're being a hypocrite or not. Uh, if a, um, I use this in shul a lot. You ever, I don't know if you ever in a shul, sometimes in a shul, especially if it's a very large building, sometimes with a little bit of talking, if you've ever experienced the thing. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, so we can have a very big shul. The good news is it's pretty much under control, but it needs physics like every nine weeks or so. Uh, so the argument that any rogue uh, in the trenches will use 
I think it's the most important argument if you can't do it for yourself we all understand that we don't want our children talking during davening and every bit mocking for that but I said if you don't want your children talking they can't be sitting next to you and looking at you talking and that always resonates it's always quiet for at least 25 minutes after that <laughs> uh, uh, the truth is they, they, they're the good people and they learn that and they get that and they know everybody knows if you don't uh, show it to them it's not a question you can attain as in you that you are if you're not it's just not going to go I once bumped into a uh, CEO of a very close a manufacturing company from uh, Ben Taylor and uh, he came to me after Shaila and I said to Sugiya I'd be happy to discuss it with you and I said Baruch Hashem you're the CEO you have time if you want to have the time you can say no I gotta go I said what's the rush he said I gotta be there I want the guys to be there on time and when they see I'm on time they're on time I thought that was such an interesting. Uh, I said, "Why just tell them to come on time?" I said, "Listen, they come on time." If I'm not there, I don't show them that I'm in business and we mean business, and this is a very important for the culture. Then uh, it's not going to fly. And uh, Kabbalah Kramer for parents. Sometimes. If a parent wants to send them down, a lot of times the kids, and I noticed that uh, my son, where probably Shatemus is a, a lovely guy, he, he always got very early in the morning, and they lived out of town, so maybe the boy didn't go to, to school, but he was like six years old, the father was sick, and he was putting on film house, and the child had like, never saw it, but I'm told. <laughs> because he, he, he just said, uh, he always got in the school. So that's like, but the learning is so important. Sometimes you wake up and you think your mom is going to miss you at four or five and leave the house. You come home and you you come eat something, you run and they say, whatever you do, if you have little kids, they should see you learning and tell your friend to call you on your cell phone and tell them that you can't get out of how important it is. <laughs> or something that important. They should just see that. Let it ring and let them see that the parents should see, you know, the Kahul says in Muhammad, but they should definitely see, you know, the learning of Abusu or something, stop what you're doing. That's something that uh, everybody really should, should try to do. It's one added in Chama, since the Maestas Harpas always set a proper example. So the Siva Shalom has a Shtikul Nechama. He says sometimes if a guy wants his son to learn, so of course it would be best if he learned too. Because some people never had an opportunity to learn for whatever. They've been traumatized by learning, whatever it is, they're not learning. He says if you show the child how much you respect people who do learn, then that's also something. It's a Madriga. And the, I have a right. He doesn't bring this right. Because all kids learn to respect money. Not all the parents have money. But they hear from the parents, ah! Did you see the car he has? The house must have cost a million. So they see that the, the things that you respect, even if you don't have it. Uh, I think we'll, we'll uh, start with Dr. Drossen for this next I think rather the doctor is. The doctor is fine. I make my pronosis on the doctor part. A few of the questions, I'm going to try and group together ones that were very similar. Um, a few of the questions have touched on, touched on, on the issue of sibling rivalry, uh, what's considered um, normal, or I guess, and, and what's considered beyond, beyond the, uh, the scope of regular, and how to deal with even the regular sort of sibling rivalry, how, how to manage that and all. If I had an answer to this question, I'd manage to be a millionaire. 
but let me just say something. Uh, one very important point. Uh, uh, Dessler says that when there's a midas hadin in the world, when there's, when there's a midas hachesa in the world, people get along with each other very well. People tend to get along with each other. There's more there's chesed, of course. Um, it's like by the Paris, you face Naira, the way Rashi shot. They saw well because they were satiated. And and when there's a midas hadin in the world, then people are at each other's throats. So if, if there's more than normal sibling rivalry, and I don't, I don't know any parent who agrees that any amount of it is normal, but I guess probably some of it is normal. But if there's more than normal, sometimes it comes because the whole atmosphere in the house is very contentious. Obviously, if there's, if there's uh, lacking show and bias between the parents, if the parents don't necessarily speak with uh, consideration for the child's feelings and embarrass the child, it's, again, setting an example, it's hard to expect them to be more sensitive to each other's feelings. So that's, I think, important things to do. Obviously, even if you do all those things, there'll be a certain amount of sibling rivalry because, you know, that's the, in the nature. Now, I think, actually, this reminds me of something that the Kanetzkel uh, has a wonderful paper on the Parsha, and we bring a nice there from the Zayda about, about how, uh, what was Yaakov's Havamin of crossing his hand and giving the younger son uh, the first bracha? Why wasn't he worried about the sibling rivalry and the, and the jealousy? So I think you brought from the Zayda that the Maitre, the he gave it to them because that's what they need. Each one needed that bracha. So you can't be mitrashev with how they might feel. But I, I don't know, Lule de Mistafina would add that, that, uh, that, that I, I think when the parent is doing it for the child's needs, and not because of his own needs, because he favors one child by, by, by the, the claim is past him, it's Chazal say, or actually the Pasuk says, because he, he, liked, he loved him more. Whatever that means, the Chazal. So, of course, the kids are very jealous. If, you, if you're giving it, if the, child, the children see that you try to give this, each child what they need, I don't think there is as much sibling rivalry. So I think if, that's, if, if the parents set a good example, they talk with sensitivity to each other, they talk with sensitivity to the children, and, and they try to give each child what the child needs, I think it will reduce it to a manageable level if such a thing exists. Yeah? Uh, I think if the children are mature enough, uh, there are a look at the child wearing completely different things. That's the problem. They see they're getting yeah. something. Uh, so there comes a point in time where they might be old enough that you can actually explain it to them. I've had a nice experience recently with one of my teenage uh, sons who saw that one of the other teenage sons was getting something extra, which we felt he needed. And uh, I didn't even have to explain it. I, w- I was getting ready for a whole conversation, <laughs> explanation, and I was deciding what to say, what not to say. And um, he didn't bring it up. At first, I thought he didn't know about it. Wait a couple of days, he knew about it. Didn't bring it up. Uh, so sometimes the child will perceive that there is a, a difference in, and next time he'll get something to get him over mm-hmm. over a hump. If they don't pick that up, which is more normal, uh, then uh, I think if you think they're mature enough, I don't think you should skirt the issue. I think you should spell it out. But this is without getting to Lashon Hara, and it's not his business what the other child needs necessarily. So you say, this is something that I say right now, when you need help with something, when you need something else. Often that'll, uh, that'll dispel some of the hostility. Me that Chazal go through from the sibling rivalries, from what part? 
then sometimes you have to look and say, look, that option B is not the first environment I would pick, but the environment he's in, he's not growing as he is, and he doesn't have to look like him, so then there's already what to discuss. I will say something which uh, parents don't like to hear, Rabban don't like to hear, Rabban don't like to hear. Um, you take a poll, so the Rabban will say the most important influence in a child's life is the revenue. He says it is an important influence. You ask the parents, will say it's the parents, it's the home. And you ask the Rob, will say it's the shul, and it's the community. It's none of the above. All of them equal maybe 49%, 51% of the French. That's an important study, crucial. And if you have a choice, Therefore, he's not doing as well as he liked in Gemara, and certainly in English, but he's going to search in an environment where the friends are all up to things that you don't want for your children. It's rare, I've done it on one or two occasions, it's rare that I will tell somebody to go to the Israeli environment, because I know, from my limited experience, that the ultimate deciding factor in the ruchness of the child will be the influence of the environment of the friends, not the real man. And sometimes that's the choice to send to the kid. It's not as compatible, but the yeshiva, the drafeim, are phenomenal. The answer is that's great. And the rabbeim and the parents who are rubbing everything together might equal 49%. That's not usually going to make it. So that's, that's, that's the danger, in my opinion, from what I've seen. Uh, actually, there's some recent research somebody did on, on the effect of uh, friends. Um, negative influence of friends. So I'm not sure if I agree with the t- complete statistics of 49%. I mean, the, the site is true. I'm trying to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> the equal men is less, you're saying. No, because well, it, it, they show that the ones, you know, why are certain kids particularly more vulnerable to be influenced by friends, by neg- you know, negative influence of friends, is usually because they're unhappy, things at home aren't working out well, they don't get along with their parents, so that increases the vulnerability. So here is really a problem, because if he's not doing well in yeshiva, and it's affecting him emotionally, that's another problem. Even if, even if the problem in your eyes is yeah. not so bad, but if in his own eyes it seemed it seemed like a chesarna not svaka, then that could be a bigger problem. So, uh, a parent once told me that Rishmuel Kamenetsky told him. So I'm telling you not to be directly from what I heard from him, but that he, he had a son that became friends in camp with kids from more modern school, and the kids very much wanted to go there. The parents tried to talk him out of it, didn't help. He was insisting, and he asked Rishmuel what to do. And Shmuel told him that, that um, if you make him go stay where he doesn't want to be, he's going to belong nowhere in Klaistral. He's not going to belong where you're putting him. He's not going to belong anywhere else. And if he goes to the place where he wants to be, even if it's not where you would like him to be, but at least it belongs somewhere. I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. It depends how dressed. Yeah, I had yeah. a case this summer, one of the rare times I actually sent the child to the more, slightly more modern environment. It's modern, but slightly more modern. And... Uh, and the, he had met kids in camp. It was actually a camp scenario, and he had. The, I, I, I spoke to the voter. He he made it quite clear that this or absolute misery in his mind, yeah. and and the parents were beside themselves. And I told him, I said, send them. It's not so bad. Here, it's not going to work anymore. Yeah. So you, know, you have to look at the options and yeah. what it's going to be. I believe there is a wild hashtag, and there's also leaders. You have modern friends who are um, idolizing and so that they would allow us not to say, you know, and so it was really difficult to challenge my parents. Especially, you know, when they're talking about the shadows in our community. But I, I, I do think that uh, on one day, your child will feel uh, very good about himself, 
Ik heb een heleboel gescholen, 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 ik heb een heleboel
So he told his kid to go out of the room because uh, he didn't want to confuse him. But then he let him come in. He should know there are people who think there are people in the end. And you're probably not talking about those things. Let's say, not get mad at me. Then I'll ask another one. It's the stuff to do with the one. I have one written out over here that I sent in. Mine's out of the right to rebuke a neighbor or extended family member. No. No. There's got to be a way, as challenging as it is, to tell the child it's not our way and we've been taught otherwise, but they're still good people. And the people who mean well, they just don't have the right edge, same education, they don't have the same education we had. And they're nice people, they're lovely people. There's still a way to build up what they're looking at that all go around, assuming the worst about everybody, and yet tell them that's not our death. Call so we're not going to hold this up. Most of my my friends are not going to hold this up. I remember my son had a very busy event on trip with my neighbors. And then he said, came home and said, they're all going to be built, but I don't think they have holy soil. I said, why? He says, they have clips. I think also going back to setting an example, if the child sees how the parent deals with the other people who don't have the same level or his bin hagen or do things differently, and if he's strong with what he does and yet is respectful of other people and sees the good in other people, I don't think it'll be that. It might be difficult on giving up a candy bar that it's a challenge in itself, but I'm saying how to deal with other people who have different standards than yourself. I think they'll see how the parents deal with him. That's how they'll learn. I think it's never been easier, by the way. You mentioned that the whole struggle. Mm-hmm. There's nothing as a community now. You want gosh in the if you want this question of, you know, you don't have to go near the equator. You want a delegation, so we're going there to stroll. You want to, uh, 
my, my son once asked me, we had a huge debate to talk about a house, about Chalvi Solon. I said, everything's available. Afterwards, they were smoothing a little bit. He asked me a few hours later, Abba, what talking about? <laughs> I said, who uh, mentioned the word to you? <laughs> he said, he said, the friend that was over said your father never had Hagadah. I don't know, Klein's is pretty good <laughs> to make that point. <laughs> but, uh, but nobody here, nobody here, nobody here, in this day and age, like in Agashmi, it's, it's all available. I think it's, I think it's never been easier in that regard. So the idea, so the idea would be to, to convey the benchmark. Yeah, they, we have plenty of alternatives. It was, I don't know if it was like that 30, 40 years ago. <coughs> Do you want to tell the line? What was available? What kind of ice cream did they have 30, 40 years ago? <laughs> I, think we have, I think we have it relatively easy today in this regard. But sometimes, you know, we always talk about the kids that you know, I used to pick up like a piece of train in the store. Where are my parents and kids with like, I said, I know, but I don't know when I don't like it. You know, and I think sometimes as a child, sometimes they say we have everything, but what happens when they do, you know, when the, the super duper flavor comes out and they don't have it that good. But that, you know, sometimes it's, um, you know, all right, so we don't have it. That's the way it is, you know, the internal life, life is going on. We, we, we spoke earlier about, about very old children. One of the questions that was asked up to me um, is with regard to people who have older children, adults in their house. Um, I'll read the question, but obviously um, it, 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 it can be something, the, the answer will be to get people who have, who have younger children as well. How can a parent of adult child who's living at home give them direction and guidance and get them to accept what's being said? It seems they want their independence because they're adults, even though they're still single. I guess this is again maybe issue, but also they are having all their needs met without much responsibility because they're still learning issue, but yeah, they still have a sense of entitlement. Can I sit over there and listen? <laughs> <laughs> Can I put this with another question which dovetails with this? Yeah. Uh, question, uh, this is actually a, a serious Olympic issue, so I just want to mention, but I have over here, how and what age do we start to teach our children physical responsibility? That's money. Does a parent have the right to control the child's money? Fiscal responsibility. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that uh, that older older, older children feel entitlement, like with my money. What happened to the check that Bobby gave, and and where's that account that you told me about? And uh, so let me just spell out what the law is. Gemara said that if a child finds a mitzvah, if he's a cotton by age or a cotton. So, even if it's a gobble. It belongs to the father, Mitzah Neva, the father supporting him, he found his diamond ring, wanted to want to share it with me, but the father wants to give it back to him afterwards, irrelevant. But first figure out what the din is, but then it, the father owns it. If the Ramah had, in Reishai and Cheshemish, but that uh, if the child makes money, it belongs to the parent. I'll discuss in a minute what they should do practically. First, let's figure out what the din is. Then Ramah says later on that if a child gets a gift from somebody else, so then, if it's a cotton by age, it belongs to the father, but they have no separate yacht. But if it's a gotha by age, even if it's signed by Shochanavi, it belongs to the child. And the Sma explains, I've seen the Sma misquoted. That's what I mentioned. I've seen the Sma misquoted. The Sma holds the word belongs to the child. The Sma doesn't say that. The Sma says, as an umduno, that if an outsider, a grandmother, an aunt, whoever came over and gave, they, they misama wants the parents to take care of the child to cotton because he's irresponsible. If they're older already, misama, they gave it, they want the child to have it. That's an umduno. I don't know what was going on at the time of the Sma. I imagine the presents weren't that big. 
I, I think the umdana is, I think, I'm, I think this is what the smartphone mom meant. I think today, when a grandparent or anybody else gives a sizable gift, I'm not talking about candy, we're not talking about uh, comic books, we're not talking about, uh, they have social comic books today also. Uh, we're not talking about uh, small gifts, here's $10 for your birthday, go have an ice cream. Talking about sizable gifts, the, I think the umdana is partial, that the grandparent or the aunt and the uncle, whoever's giving it, is giving it with the full knowledge that the parent will have full control till they get married or till 18, 21, whatever the minute is. Um, and, and I believe that that's not really part of this trailer. I think parents should not be spending the kids' money. I think that that's not a good idea at all, and it's not necessary, and it's counterproductive. But should they be hoping it when the child is 17 now, or even 18 or 19, a buffer and she's a, and he decided he wants to go take the straw about his mom with his friends. The title is then. It's only $2,000 to have more by this somebody saved up. I had a conversation with my son. I said, I said, you have more, but $2,000 is not what I want to uh, spend now because you're getting married and you're going to need it. She said, I don't need that much. I'm going to live very simply. I'd like to go to the <laughs> So uh, I said, I'm sure you'll live very simply, and I, I'm actually going to write that down later on. Uh, but I think, logically, the parent has the right to hold back on just like the parents are making the decision. So Shaila, when their mother says, put on your coat, is that on the cover? Is that on the year? Is that on the above? The minute is that the parents have dominion. you got to be smart. And if the parent uh, says no all the time, then the kid's going to get grouchy. But in terms of who controls the money, I think the end of the day is often the larger checks are given that the parent should have, should have most of the control. Uh, so the sense of entitlement, is, of course, is there. We spoke about before, all my friends are going on vacation, they're all doing this, all in that. Everything today has a tremendous price tag, and as Robert Kennedy said a few times, you have to learn how to draw lines, and you can say that Baruch Hashem, you belong to this family, we have tremendous mindless, a large bank account is not modern, and, uh, and we have to live, and, and the training is that if you do this, maybe you'll go further with your rookies, understanding that the more money you spend, the more money you have to make. So, uh, a couple of times, one comment to the daughter, daughter let and a couple of times started crying, he says, like, wrapping a city would not be tomorrow. And we're not on that, my Drago. Let's go out city. But the whole time looked at it as, that cost money. Your husband bought it for you. You have to make that money somewhere. And that cost him a couple hours of learning. We have to, not to that degree, but not to my Drago. We have to get that message across. That it doesn't go on trees. And if we're going to that's a function of somebody's learning and lack thereof. Uh, the one thing that I, I they, and I'm sure there was tears. You can get worn down. Not in a particular way. <laughs> that pleads, you know, with only ones and, and the time. And that's why this group started to to meet with that. You have to sometimes call a timeout and make a huddle and we will have it for each other. Hey, your husband and wife have to go lots of the other room and walk out and say, we're with this together. This is what we're going to decide because they play one against the other as well. So just make sure you have the same team. Do a bunch of stronger than one that's uh, one eighth of that, you know, with, with, uh, with that unity, you can feel much better because then, you, you know, I think it's one against one, now it's one against two. So that, that's just amazing. Um, I guess one of the advantages of being a moderator is that I can answer my own, my own questions as well. Uh, um, I'll ask one last question before I do that. Uh, obviously, there, there are a number of questions that we didn't get to. Um, the, the title of this, the overriding title of this, um, of this session was The Conversation Continues in Queens. Um, there, the Left Coast Leadership Initiative is going to be sponsoring a series of conference calls and webinars um, devoted to topics 
parenting um, as well as others. And so, if your question was answered tonight, uh, it's possible that that it'll it'll be addressed during uh, during that series, which I think will be taking place during uh, February. So I guess um, you can tune in uh, then for for further uh, for further information. Um, I think in, in closing, one of the overarching um, messages is is that the way that that us that we that we act as parents has has the largest influence perhaps on, on the development and, and um, the behavior and, and the growth of our children. So I would ask each of our panelists to, to perhaps leave us with a message, um, maybe, maybe a message of physics or maybe just something very practical. You know, we, we, uh, we all have to have things going on in our lives, work and, and, and family and very efforts and, and the world we live in is sometimes a different um, How we keep strong and, and have that simcha and that positivity um, that in order to, to pass down to our children in all the ways that, that we're expressed here tonight. Whatever kind of thing. It's a story which is about a thing that was a little child. It was a law, a law told to develop a little bit of in learning and with that and see that the bell was in the room and the father gives us that salvation turned to the bell and it's an informal conversation with the room but not still you know, I think it's exciting and he said something very sharp so the visiting rabbi said that so the father he says imagine he's a grandson of Chaim and he's your son and he said give that back very handsome and the bishop turns to him and he says you don't know how many tears that we doubted that we cried that he should be a mentor. You know what feelings that we said. And don't think it's the Eucharist, don't think it's the, the, the Quintus, it's just a tremendous amount of feeling. And this is something that, um, I, you know, it's intangible. I was still out of way from and it's like it's the Shmaya. And that's all I can leave you with that. That Larry has a lot to come and say that school is full of the Eucharist. But Larry has a lot to say that the Eucharist is full of the Eucharist. And the Eucharist is full of the Eucharist. And the Eucharist is full of the And that's the biggest problem that we have. And that's the biggest problem that we have. And that's the biggest problem that we have. Can I add before I went into another Falafi with Kana? She davened that Klaisal needed a new leader. She wanted to have the Swiss. And when she, he was Mara Lachem and Merapo, and he said he was not a She came back and said, Well, I can't lose him. I'm not a Falafi. He said, I'll get you somebody better. She said, no, Mara Zed Falafi, so Marshall over there said, so listen to the Kashi, if she's really doing this to Shema, and she wanted somebody to best leaders, I'll get you a better leader. If you're really in this to Shema. And her answer was, no, no, you know what I'm saying, you can't produce somebody better if this is the result of all my students. It's not possible for you to replicate this. I just want to mention one uh, other prop, uh, husband and wife with the huddle. Uh, you're going to agree on certain things, you're going to disagree on certain things. You don't have to only use your rov or your Rosh Hashiva for Yal the As a matter of fact, nobody asked me Yal the Yavashad in most household possible. If you have a disagreement, a lot is at stake. Ask. 
See, Kadra, there's too much at stake to just go on a whim and say, oh, we'll figure it out. You, uh, this time I'll do it your way, next time I'll do it my way. <laughs> you have to figure out, you both might be wrong. You both might be right in different situations. See, Kadra, and often people don't want to hear a doctor in my shul told me a couple weeks ago, he says, you wouldn't believe what happened in my office today? Actually, one of the questions we didn't get to about giving Musa to people. People don't like getting Musa if you're seeking a story. There was a, he's a pediatrician. There was a kid in his office in the waiting room and he called on them and was beating up his mother. Not just that hand, beating up his mother. And doctor went over and took the kid like this and said, excuse me, you can't teach your mother like that. You can't hit her, you can't treat her like that. The mother turned around and gave him such a mishaber. Don't you touch my kid. Don't tell my kid what to do. But still going to go. The doctor was like, he didn't know, and this guy's not, not thrown off easily. He said, excuse me? He said, he repeated. He said, I don't want you giving me, I'll take care, I'm not raise my kids to do this living. He came to me, did I do the right thing? Of course you do the right thing. She's not normal. And somebody has to tell me, you have to say something sometimes. I'm sure when she went home, went home she realized that her reaction was improper and the doctor was right. But Lamaisa, Often people uh, react or don't react properly because they never got an education. And as we started off the session, just because you're a parent, you have to see out the sign as a parent, doesn't mean you know everything. And the same people who pass in all the other shadows and give you a draw, so should be dealing with the all important uh, shadows that are going to affect theirs, and they have to seek that guidance. Is the end of the paragraph in Archas of Bayes, quoting Rashad. I translated it. Rashad said, one of the most important tasks of parents is to provide their children a warm, loving, and emotionally supportive home. With this foundation, children are able to develop the internal fortitude to resist outside negative influences. Parents who do not do this are destroying with their own hands the soul of their children. Today, parents are afraid of giving children love. Seems they're not only afraid to say no, they're also afraid of this. They don't understand that this is the most important factor in being Mechan of children, to provide them with a lot of warmth and love. With that all in. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank you for coming here tonight and thank our panelists for the time and the encouraging words.